Welcome everybody to the Cannabis Reviewed. I've got a great show to you today. We're delighted to bring onto the show Joseph Devlin. Joseph is the Senior Vice President at Iconic Farms Inc. And he was the California's first municipal office for regulating cannabis. So he created and led that office and a man with a wealth of experience in the industry so far. Joseph, how are you keeping? Great. Thanks for having me on. Really is a pleasure. pleasure to have you on, mate. As I said, it's uh, it's all about educating everybody watching the shows, and I don't think there's a better man to be able to explain the couple of topics we're going to cover with you today. So do you want to maybe just give everybody a little rough background of where you started in the cannabis industry and where you are now at Iconic Farms? Yeah, so I started in the public policy space working in, in government. That's kind of really my background is, is working in government at the state, um, at the state and local level here in the U.S., um, uh, but I started working on cannabis policy back in 2000 and, and really 11. Um, and then uh, fast forward, you know, did some kind of poking around the edges um, in the city of Sacramento. We, Sacramento's had dispensaries since 2010. Um, and then um, uh, uh, led the office of cannabis, um, cannabis policy and enforcement starting in 2016 and did that for a couple of years. And now I'm a senior vice president with Iconic Farms, a, a California-based um, uh, international cannabis company. Excellent. Amazing. So again, a man with a wealth of experience to be able to hopefully steer us in the right direction on a couple of topics we're going to cover today. So I'd like to start off with this one, which is something that everybody in Ireland I know is going to be interested in. Sacramento's success in cannabis and working there what are the to-dos for any government or any uh, consultancy firm and any of the territories out there who are going to become a legal industry? What are the definite to-dos that an industry needs to do? And what are the things people should be staying away from, do you think? Well, I, I think the first step is, one, acknowledging that you know, governments have had um, a real heck of a time, real difficulty uh, banning cannabis. So I don't care what government level you work at, whether it be a federal um, uh, uh, or municipal level. Um, generally, every everyone over the last hundred years has had some sort of prohibition on cannabis. And um, you know, I've been to Ireland. Um, uh, I, I've seen cannabis in, in 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 the streets of Ireland. Um, you know, my friends were able to buy it there when I was there. Um, so you know, these prohibitions just don't really work. And what they really do is just kind of keep that illicit market going. So I think the first thing to do is really create a regulatory structure for for managing it. And I think the next kind of big step after that is um, recognizing that this isn't something to be afraid of um, or something that is incredibly overly complicated. At the end of the day, this is a widget. Um, and in, in California, we have some 900 rules that we have to follow in order to sell, um, uh, 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 sell cannabis. Um, um, and, you know, we as business owners want to be compliant of that. And so um, ultimately, at the end of the day, I think what you'll find is people in the industry they're, these are business people. We we want to run a business. We want to run a business compliantly. Um, and in doing so, we're going to do a couple of things. One, um, we're going to follow those rules. And what that does is that improves public safety, right? As a business owner, we've invested millions of dollars in starting this business. We have zero interest in making a, making a sale to someone um, uh, uh, below the legal age to, 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 to make that purchase. We have zero interest. So, you know, the, the fears of, uh, well, when we legalize cannabis, it's going to be more accessible to kids. No, 
I, I, I've never bought into that. It is completely contrary to every dispensary owner I've ever talked to, contrary to every dispensary I've ever been in. Um, you know, dispensaries are too expensive to start to, to lose your business for making a $30 sale to a 16 year old. Um, the second thing that um, regulating cannabis does is it improves public health by ensuring that these products are tested, assuming that the regulatory infrastructure includes a testing. In California, we have a whole battery of tests that test for molds and pesticides. Um, and that's an important piece, especially um, when we're talking about concentrates. It'll, it'll, illicit concentrates or concentrates that are made illegally um, uh, can potentially, um, uh, at least in particular, pose uh, health risks. And so, you know, improving public safety is and public health, I think, are tangential benefits of it. But, you know, the really to, the big to-dos, again, are, you know, don't be afraid of doing it. Um, the information is out there now. Um, you don't have to be the tip of the spear like Sacramento was. Okay, perfect. That's great information. Now I think that's uh, something we'll be able to deliver home to the to the politicians here, and hopefully, uh, some of the scaremongering that we see happen in something like New Zealand when they went to legalize, it seemed to be the advertising war was uh, the the no side were way more effective with their campaigns in terms of scaremongering with people, whereas the other side just came with science, which hopefully in this day and age is uh, is not enough to convince people. So I'd like to move on to Iconic Farms and the IKNK brands. Can you tell us about the start of this company and the plans for the future? I have uh, some of the products that you've got, like I'm looking forward to seeing this premium flower. Can you tell us about some of the plans for IKNK brands and Iconic Farms? Yeah, so um, uh, Iconic Farms, we are um, uh, what's called a vertically integrated um, cannabis company here in California. Um, uh, we have a couple of of of, of brands. Um, the we have our iconic iconic farms flower as well as um, a, an artist series called Ronin, um, another one called Rations, um, and um, those are distributed up and down the state of California, um, really all the way from San Diego to um, uh, the far northern part of the state through our distribution company. Um, um, yeah, and then, so in addition to uh, our distribution company and a number of retail facilities that are that are coming online here in the next two months, um, we also have um, a cultivation facility um, in, in Colombia. Uh, we are, um, that facility is EU GMP uh, C certified um, and is one of the, uh, I think, the only or maybe one of the only a couple EU GMPC um, certified facilities uh, in Colombia. And that is, um, th that's really our plan to, to bring um, essentially California cannabis um, to, to the globe. So we are, you know, our company leadership are cultivators at heart. We were going to be um, a multi-state operator. We were looking at you know, expanding into all these states across the U S um, when the opportunity kind of presented itself to, to go international instead. And we jumped at that. And so um, we are now uh, in, in Colombia, that facility is up and running. Um, and we just got our EU GP, GMPC certification. Right. Um, yeah. And I believe it, I believe we're also 
we also have now uh, an ISO certification. Um, so uh, that's going to be, you know, really kind of our gateway to bringing California style cannabis, um, you know, to, to, to the globe. And so that's going to be our jumping off point for Latin America, European Union, and, and hopefully other countries. Nice. That leads me into a little question, actually, that uh, you'd be perfectly positioned to answer. We all know that the low-cost South American flour is pretty much going to be the main ingredient supplier or one of the main suppliers to the European market. Do you see then that balancing out with the premium uh, craft growers, let's say growing the champagne or the brandy of the cannabis industry? Which one do you see having the more uh, growth over the next five years? You know, that's a great question. Um, and I think if I could answer that question um, uh, uh, with, a, with accuracy, um, you know, uh, uh, you know I, Iconic and myself would be much better off. That's a tough one. Um, you know, I, I don't think anybody really kind of initially contemplated a bunch of California boys going down to <laughs> go down to Colombia, and so you know when I say that we're gonna we're bringing California style cannabis. I mean we're bringing, you know, you know this isn't, you know this isn't you know that brown brick cannabis that was coming out of you know Latin America being smuggled across the borders. I mean this is this is green bud flower that we're growing. Um, I think in part of that is going to be dependent upon um, the restrictions around. Um, product development um, and standards that um, each country has. Uh, certainly, I don't think you can discount California's potential um, for growing a, a high volume, high quality product. I mean, we still have um, we still have kid cultivation facilities under construction here. Um, that are measured in acres, right? I mean, I, I personally know two people that are are just now um, getting permitted for ten acre grows, right? And like, like right, and like that's just me, um, and um, you know, and that doesn't count all of the other you know giant in house grows that are that are that are under construction. So I think there's going to be no doubt a demand for California cannabis um, around the world. Um, you know, can uh, other people like Iconic, um, you know, bring a um, a similar quality product, you know, via another country? I think that that's we're going to start to see that and how that can how that how those compare and kind of like what's the value of, you know, of of you know, kind of the name of if you will of of, of California um, versus you know a very similar product um, or the same product. Um, because we were indoor growers in, in Colombia. Um, we do have capacity to grow outdoors as well, but right now we're just only focusing on our indoor flower because we can control the quality and the parameters for import are, are pretty tight. Um, so, you know, I think we'll see. I think that there's going to be space enough for everybody. Um, and ultimately this is going to be a little bit of a commodity, right? Um, yeah. It's maybe not operated as a, true commodity market but um yeah it's it's going to be an exciting time we're i mean we're finally really close to legalize cannabis on a global scale um and that's something that i think just a couple of years ago was hard to imagine 
Yeah, well, long may the, the march forward continue and hopefully we get another few dominoes knocked down this year that keeps keeps continuing on forward with the growth. I'm going to bring into the last topic that's something you guys are really good at, Iconic, is brand ambassadors. You have a number of good musicians and a couple of good surfers. How important do you think brand ambassadors are to the overall brand? Because I think that's what's going to end up winning this global race is who's got the best brand, who's got the coolest, pretty much everything. So how important are brand ambassadors to you guys and how do you see them in the future of the industry? Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, I think that that is something that's going to be here to say, here to stay. Um, it's, it's, it's not that they are so huge important that you can't have, um, uh, a, a, a successful company or successful brand without it. Um, you know, I think the single most important thing is having a high quality product um, that, you know, that the consumer can find consistency in, that they can, you know, find and understand, um, you know, the, the story behind it. Um, you know, like our, our, our Ronin brand has these beautiful labels um, on them that are all hand done by fine artists. Um, um, uh, I think, you know, from some of them from around the world. Um, and, you know, you know, our, our iconic, the iconic brand itself is, is really rooted in um, surfing and snowboarding and action sports because that's, that's who we are. It's who our company was founded by. Um, uh, and, you know, and, and that's kind of who we've naturally gravitated, you know, towards as professional surfers and snowboarders. And you mentioned um, 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 the musician. Yeah. We have pepper Um you know, but ultimately begins with a really good product, and and there's no skipping that part, right? You can, there's no there's no amount of money that can kind of buy you out of having a good product, um, but I do think the brand ambassadors uh, help you tell your story um, to the consumer for sure. Okay, interesting. It's been a great chat. For anybody who wants to check out more, you can see the website link down there below. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, Joe. Thank you very much for coming on the show. And yeah. uh, all the best with Iconic, and hopefully we get to talk again in the future and see where everything's at. Hey, well, thanks for having me on. You know, I hope I get the chance again to maybe talk to some uh, of the elected leaders in Ireland. Um, would love to see Ireland uh, uh, come on board with a set of sensible regulations. So, yeah, well, we'll be pushing in. that. We'll be pushing that severely over this side of the woods. So, yeah, hopefully everything goes well for you, and I'd love to chat to you soon. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks for watching, guys. See you next show.